Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Well, you know, uh, we've been talking about reasons and purposes by which you should, should give or sow into the kingdom of God. And um, we talked about the fact that you should give either on the inspiration of God, revelation of God, or because you have an appreciation. But when you're motivated that way to give, then there are no regrets to what you give. You're not, you're not even concerned about uh, what the person who receives a gift, you don't even care what they do with it because you're being moved by the Holy Spirit and you're not being moved by your emotions and about people. So once you give it, you just don't care. Um, because again, at, when I first uh, started um, tithing and giving tithes, this is because of a message I actually heard on uh, television and I was looking for a way to honor God because I had been begging him for so many years and I just figured, well, you know what? Maybe I should do something for God. <laughs> and, um, and then I heard about honoring the Lord with thy substance. And uh, I started tithing and giving offerings uh, in a church that did not teach tithing. As a matter of fact, they taught against tithing. But how many of you know when you get a revelation from God, it really doesn't care. It doesn't matter what other people say against what God has revealed to you. Because, you know, there are a lot of people who don't think God heals. But once you've been healed, it really doesn't matter how many scriptures they pull. It, doesn't, it does not matter. Because you know that you know that you know that I was healed. Amen, amen, amen. So God wants us to have a revelation of his word, not just information concerning his word. And I know some say, well, how do I get a revelation? You get a revelation when you open up your spirit to hear what God has to say. And uh, you continue in that word in that you keep reading that word and you talk to the Holy Spirit. Because the reason you don't believe it is because there are blocks in the way. There's something that's contrary to the truth that you've heard that's keeping you from getting and gaining a revelation where you can act on the word of God. So the Bible tells us that our hearts are transformed when we keep reading and acknowledging the truth concerning the word of God. Your, your, your experience may be saying this can't happen, but your mouth should be saying, yes, it can because it's the word of God. And then you start to talk to yourself about the truths concerning the word of God. You start making uh, confessions to yourself, declarations to yourself. You don't necessarily need to talk to God about it because he already knows it's the truth. What you're trying to do is change that mind of yours that's coming against what the word of God is saying. And you do that again uh, through a lot of times through confession and hearing the word over and over again because um, you don't believe it because some man said it's true. You believe it because the word of God says it is true. Amen. And so you have to get to the bottom of why it is that my mind keeps coming against a truth that I read in the word of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So again, we've been talking about uh, how we should give and why we should give. Um, so today I really want to talk to you about the purpose for increase in prosperity. The purpose for increase in prosperity. See, because... God doesn't want us to be need-minded. He doesn't want us to be need-minded. And a lot of us think that God is need-minded. We think because we have a need, then God just automatically ought to supply what we want. But how many of you know there's a lot of people in the world that need? So it must be something else to that. 
other than I just have a need. Yeah, the word of God does tell us that uh, if we seek the kingdom of God, that's a prerequisite, that all other things will be added unto us. But then we have to look at how we go about seeking the kingdom of God and what does that mean? I don't know about you. I read for many years and I tried to figure out what in the world is seeking the kingdom of God. How many of you actually read that scripture and did not know? I mean, you may have a great revelation of it now, but I'm just saying the, you hear people say, first seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. And so you're trying to figure out, OK, I want to do that. But how do I seek him? Then you start coming up with your own ways or looking at other people and trying to determine what it means to seek the kingdom of God. And so seeking the kingdom of God is just prioritizing things in your life, making God priority in your life, making him first in your life. On uh, Proverbs, it says, uh, you know, first things first. Let's take the example of uh, uh, Martha, Martha and uh, Mary. So Jesus shows up, the one who... Uh, been healing people, raising people from the dead, multiplying food. And so Martha's in the kitchen trying to cook food for Jesus. Now, isn't that an interesting thing? Because he actually can make food. You understand what I'm saying? But she is so busy about these things, and she's upset with her sister because her sister said, wait a minute, Jesus is here. I'm going to go sit with Jesus. And what he, see what he has to say today versus let me get these things done. You understand? Prioritizing things. So as children of God, we first seek what God desires. You know, sometimes when you pray, I know we want to get down our list of, you know, confessions. Sometimes we don't want to say we don't, you're not asking God for stuff, you know, just begging God. So, so we just make confessions, which is fine. But have you ever wondered what was on God's heart? I mean, before you got started, because you do know that's the thing that he actually is concerned about right now. That's right. It's, it's whatever is on his heart right now. Not that anything that's going on with you is going to be neglected because the Bible clearly tells us that he's concerned about everything that concerneth us. And so God may want you to pray for somebody else and something else. Understand, there is someone who will be praying for you. So you don't have to feel like if God needs me in a, I got my list of stuff today, God. I got my list of confessions and God, when you allow him to, uh, God kind of interjects and say, hey, I need for you to be praying about this thing or this person. They come up in your spirit and you, you write their name down. I get to you later because I got, I got my, my list of stuff. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? Because God wants us to be led by his spirit because his spirit always lets us know what's on God's heart. And you won't ever be neglected if you do the thing the spirit of God is telling you to do. And some of you are like, I don't know if I can hear from God. Do the thing that comes to your mind first. That's how all of us do it. It's, I hate to say it, it's through test and trial. But you can't be afraid of uh, missing it. It's okay because God looks at the integrity of your heart. But if you get up in the morning and God is placing somebody else on your heart, you need to pray for them. How would you like it if God put you on someone's heart and they say, I'll catch you when I finish my list? Amen. Hallelujah. So again, 
purpose for increase in prosperity uh, is not just so, it's not a gospel that is like, um, you can't be needy and need-minded when it comes to prosperity and increase in your life. You can't approach God in that manner um, because God tells us that we should not trust in uncertain riches. We shouldn't trust in uncertain riches. So we're going to go through some things and see uh, why God would prosper you, why God would increase you. Let's start in Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, we may as well start with Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. Let's look at the King James translation of that. And it says, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now let's look at that again in the Amplified Bible. And it says, now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country, from your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors. Doesn't that sound like grace? He said, I will bless you with an abundant increase of favors and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing dispensing goods to others. He said, and I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you. In you will all the families and kindreds of the earth be blessed, and by you they will be blessed themselves. So he's saying that, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. I'm going to cause increase to come into your life so that you can be a blessing. Amen. He didn't say, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and increase you just so you can have some stuff. Or even prove that I'm God. He said, I'm going to bless you so other people can be blessed. How many of you know that Abraham's needs were all met? Over and above, you know, because he said Abraham was rich. He wasn't just rich. He was very rich. He had a huge household to take care of as well. He had, you know, all his families, including Lot. I mean, you know, they had a lot of children back then and, you know, maids and all these things came along. So Abraham did need a lot of money for what he was doing. <laughs> Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, let's look at verse 38. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 38. Um, and I want to bring you up to this point because we don't have time to read the whole story. This is the account about Joseph. And many of you who know um, Joseph's life, you realize that uh, God gave Joseph a big dream, or we call it a big vision of where he was taking him. And his family members didn't understand, his mother, his father. His father kind of considered it a bit. But 
Uh, they were very upset over the things that Joseph had to say and the dreams that God was giving him. And so you know the story. Uh, they sold him to Potiphar. And then, you know, Joseph uh, did very well and prospered in Potiphar's house. And then uh, temptation came or was offered to him. He refused. And then he got entangled into something that was not his fault. Potiphar's wife throwing herself at him. He refused. But then she lied on him. And then he ended up in prison. This is someone who has a, a vision from God. <laughs> and so here he is. He's in jail and uh, he's with other people. And then uh, the king at, uh, is asking about the interpretation of a dream. Nobody seemed to be able to interpret it. And then finally someone looks, think back and go, oh, yeah, that's right, Joseph. In prison, prison. I was in prison with him. He probably can interpret it for you. So uh he calls for Joseph, and Joseph interprets the dream for him. And then in verse 38, this is what Pharaoh says. And Pharaoh said, this is out of the Amplified, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find this man's equal, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, for as much as your God has shown you all this, there is nobody as intelligent and discreet and understanding and wise, uh, wise as you are. You shall have charge over my house. And all my people shall be governed according to your word with reverence, submission, obedience. Only in matters of the throne will I be greater than you are. Then Pharaoh said, Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in official vestment of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had, and official cried out before him, bow the knee. <laughs> and he set him over all the land of Egypt. So Joseph went through quite a bit, but he ended up right where God wanted him to be. Now he's second in charge over everything because God gave him wisdom. God gave him an interpretation of a dream and then gave him wisdom as to how to handle it. And see, he was actually under someone else at the time. Remember last week when I was talking to you and I said that God put giftings, talents, and anointings on the inside of us. And if we will follow the gifting, the talents, and the anointing on the inside of us, then God can bless us and we can increase wherever we are as long as we're doing the right thing instead of us following money. People take jobs because of money, not because of what God has gifted them to draw increase to them. Amen. So when we, so Joseph is gifted in what he's doing and look what happened. Joseph is gifted interpretation of dreams. Joseph is gifted and he, he, he acknowledges God and, and gets wisdom from God concerning whatever it is he's doing. Joseph didn't come up with this plan by himself to store up during the, during the uh, time of uh, increase and during the time of great harvest. That was God talking to him about, guess what? His job. J-O-B, job. Can someone say job? job? See, you can increase on your job yes. when you're following the will of God and not following money. Because that's what he put on the inside of you to cause you to profit. Remember, we talked about the scriptures that he'll teach you to profit and he'll give you 
power to get increase. So I don't know where the body of God, Christ thought it was going to come from. God did create us to operate in this natural world. That's why he gave us a body. So we do kind of have dual citizenship, kind of, sort of like. Maybe one citizenship of the kingdom of God, but we just happen to be residing in the earth right now. So he gives us what we need in order to do what's necessary where we are. Amen. So God doesn't increase just to give you increase. God doesn't prosper you just because you want to prosper. Let's look at Genesis chapter 45. Let's see what Joseph had to say about where he was in the position in his life. See, some people think the best place to be to get increase, of course, it's like, I just, I just need to do the will of God. Yes, you do, do need to do the will of God in your life, but it does not mean it's necessary in a church. You can do the will of God on your job. Oh, amen. You can do the will of God when you're volunteering to do something. You can do the will of God if you are a politician. You can do the will of God. I don't care what position you're in. You can do the will of God. Some people think the highest position to get is to work in the church. Mm-hmm. I, just, I, just, I just wish they had me. I wish they just employed me to work at the church. Let me, let me say this. Uh, there was someone who came by uh, to visit us at work. Notice I said at work here at the church. And so they said, you know, I'd love to volunteer. We was like, great. We'd love to have you volunteer at the church to work. And so at the end of the day, they were like, oh my God, y'all actually work here. Oh, really? Yeah, we do. We actually do work. I mean, we, we have computers for a reason, phones on our desk for a reason. And then there are those who thought that when they called in, the only thing we were doing was sitting around waiting on their call to look up scriptures. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's, that, I mean, that's what people, I don't know where this idea comes from that you don't work when you work for a church. Amen. <laughs> Let's just say, I, I, I glanced over and I looked at Mikey and I was thinking, Mikey, do you work when you come here? Indeed, he does. (laughs) You know, we have an off day on Friday, but people come in on Friday here at Revealing Truth Ministries. Guess what they're doing? Oh, amen. (laughs) As the Bible says, and he did it voluntarily. Anyways, I'm just saying, we work here at the church too. So if you think the easy job is to come work for a church, whew, you are so wrong. You probably want to stay on your secular job. <laughs> and it's sad to say, we say secular job as if it's something bad about not working for the church when in actuality it's not. We have to get among people in order to spread the gospel of God. So don't, don't think of when we say you're on a secular job that we mean something demeaning to you and that we are in a high position because we use the gifts and talents God has given us and we work for the church. That's just not so. 
um, because we, you know, we like for people to be educated and work here also. We're not, we're not somewhere you know, on a spiritual. We ain't all in here uh, interceding for you. We have an intercessory prayer team that does that. We're not in here interceding from nine to five because we work for the church. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just, just, I mean, we use our gift and talents here at the church also to do what is necessary. But let's look at Genesis chapter 45. <laughs> and it says uh, in verse 4, and this is after uh, Joseph has to reveal to his brothers that it's him because they don't recognize him because they're coming to uh, to Pharaoh as well to get food because of the famine. So he says here in verse 4, And Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. And they did so. And he said, I am Joseph your brother whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not be distressed or disheartened or vexed and angry with yourselves because you sold me here. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. He said, God sent me here to preserve life. He said, for these two years in the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years more in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a posterity and to continue a remnant of the earth to save your lives by a great escape and save you for many survivors. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. He says that it wasn't you who did this to me. It wasn't you who caused this problem, caused all these things to happen. He said, but this actually was the will of God for me to be in this position. He said, and the reason he put me in this position is so that I can preserve life. He put me in this position and caused increase, caused me to have charge over all the things that I have. Another translation, he said, to preserve our posterity so we could keep continuing on in what we're doing. So here it is, God wants you to increase he wants, he wants multiplication to come into your life, not just so you can have things, but God wants the gospel of Jesus Christ promoted. He don't want us to die out. He don't want us somewhere hidden behind a rock. He don't want, he don't want it to be that the gospel is only known if you just, you know, file here into church. God wants the gospel of Jesus Christ spread all over the earth. And who is he going to use? He's going to use us. Amen. So God says, yes, I'll multiply you and I will increase you if you have the right perspective. If you know why I'm bringing increase into your life, if you know why I want to multiply you, if you know why it is I'm giving you promotion after promotion on your job, because some of your jobs, I will never, ever get an opportunity to speak to people in the positions that you have an opportunity to speak to. So God is promoting you, not just so you can say, "Ooh, look at my promotion, look at my increase. But there's a group of people where you are that God wants to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So don't think if, if, if you are a child of God, don't think that it's all your smarts that's getting you to where you are. No, God is trying to position you in a place. Hallelujah. He's trying to position you 
put you in a place so he can preserve posterity. So, 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 so our future as Christians won't die out, but that we can promote the gospel and that can be heard regardless of, uh, of race, regardless of uh, uh, position in life. God wants the gospel to be promoted. So, he, so he's, he's clear about it. He says, listen, he said, um, I know why I'm here. I know why I'm here. It's to preserve life. Amen. Let's look at Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Now, there was a time, several times at least, that um, the children of Israel were in captivity. Um, where God prospered them even in their captivity. Even in a place where you would not think they would have increase, God gave them increase in those places as well. Um, let's look at um, Jeremiah 29, and let's start at verse 4. It says in the Amplified, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the captives whom I have caused to be carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Look at what he tells them to do in captivity. He says, build yourself houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not be diminished. He said, don't don't decrease in what you're, don't decrease, don't diminish. He said, carry on as if you're not captive. Hallelujah. Carry on as if everything is working well in your life. Nobody wants to be carried away and be in exile. And, but he says, I'll still cause you to increase in a place where you normally would not increase. And then he also tells them, if you continue to read, he tells them, and pray for the peace of the land that you're in so that you have peace to do whatever it is that I'm telling you to do. See, the Bible tells us that we should pray for peace. You know, we get upset over who, who's president and who's in particular offices and all these other things. God said, there really is no authority that exists unless I allow it to exist. And regardless of what authority is in place, because you're my people, I can cause you to prosper and increase and have and favor come to you. I don't care what the outside situations and circumstances are because I'm your God, but you got to understand why I would do that. You got to understand the purpose behind the wealth that I'm going to give you. Hallelujah. God says, you know, I don't, I don't stuff. Look at, look at how I live. He said, I don't care anything about stuff. The streets where you are going are made of gold. So do you really think that I'm all hyped and about you and a house and a car? And he said, you wouldn't dare melt down your gold and put it in your driveway. You'd never ever think about doing that, but that's how I think about stuff. That's, what I, that's how I see stuff. I see, look, I see stuff as a tool. You see it as a power. You see it as a prestige. You see, I don't see it like that. Look at what I do with pearls. I'll make a door out of it. 
It don't mean that much to me, but it means that much to you. And I'm telling you, you gotta, you gotta pull away from that. It's just a tool. Look at somebody say, money is just a tool in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> So he tells them that you're going to, I'm going to cause you to prosper in the most difficult situations. Why? Because your motives are right. Your motives are pure. You're not trying to get money so you can measure yourself against someone else. You're not trying to get money so you can compare yourself to someone else. You know, I always think about it. You know you love Volkswagen, yet you're sitting around trying to drive a Mercedes. You don't even like it. You don't like the way it looks. You don't like the way it drives. But you're sitting up in one. Why? Because you compared yourself to someone else and decided the person who drives the Mercedes must, must have a, a greater uh, uh, anointing on their life because God gave them this. And so you're searching out stuff that you don't even want, you don't even like. But in your mind, it puts you at a certain status. Mm. Look at somebody say, wrong purpose. You know, that I'm, I'm, they're just, this is some quote-unquote high-end stuff. I just don't like the way it looks. I, I, I don't like it, don't want it, don't care for it. As I told you last week, people, where do you buy your shoes? Everywhere. Because I buy what I like. Not what other people think I need to put on in order to be somebody. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's look at Ezra. Let's look at Ezra. Ezra was a part of uh, rebuilding Jerusalem after they had been in captivity. He was a part of going back and wanting and having desire to uh, build the uh, walls and build the city of Jerusalem again. Uh, so did Nehemiah. And, um, but it's interesting how he placed a desire in a, the king of Persia also, who then sent them out. Oh, my time. Let's look at uh, verse 1. Amplified, it says, Now in the first year of uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, almost 70 years after the first Jewish captives were taken to Babylon, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might begin to be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judea. Imagine that. Here it is. The king wants to build Jerusalem back up. Whoever is among you of all his people. See, he was not a part of his people, but God moved on a, a, a person who was not a part of the children of Israel to do something for God. He says, whoever is among you of all his people, may, he, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judea and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel in Jerusalem. He is God. And in any place where a survivor of Babylonian captivity of the Jews sojourns, let the men of that place assist him with silver and gold, with goods, beasts, besides freewill offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem. 
So now he's telling the people who were in captivity. He said, and look, they must have had stuff. He said, give them offerings, give them gold, give them silver so we can go out and do the plan of God. Now he told them they will prosper and they would increase in their captivity. And they did, but he did it for this purpose. That's, that's next, that there was going to come a time where you needed to build Jerusalem up again. So I'm going to cause you to prosper and to increase. So when the time comes, you'll have what's necessary to do the will of God. Now, he did. did what did he tell him? He said, go ahead and build houses. Go ahead and have children. Go ahead. Go ahead. So God is not trying to make you poverty stricken. He's just saying, be mindful. And I, I think I've shared this at one time. Sometimes when people bless me with money, God will tell me as soon as I get it in my hands, that's not yours. That's not yours. It belongs to someone else. I don't know if perhaps the person giving it don't know the person it belongs to, but I do. But then it's not mine. And I wait for God to tell me who it belongs to. Hallelujah. It's interesting because sometimes it belongs to little children. Mm-hmm. God loves him too. He wants him to prosper and increase it, know these things. But a lot of times, as soon as we get some money, the first thing we think is, what am I going to do with my money? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Or, oh, my God, you're so good. God, th this is for that bill I have. No, it may be for somebody else's bill. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know all God's people say everything I have is God. I belong to God and everything I have belongs to Jesus until he asks me for it. Amen. <laughs> Listen, the things that God wants to do through us, and I'm just talking about here at Revealing Truth Ministries. He, for every church, I believe that God um, has things that he wants them to do. I believe that God will increase us and multiply to us so that we can accomplish his will. But understand, we cannot put money in a place that it does not belong. We cannot, we cannot, let's see. Let's look at uh, Colossians 3, verse 23. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, first of all, he tells us to work as unto the Lord. That's what the scripture says. And Amplified says, whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men. When you work as something done for the Lord and not for men, you do represent Jesus Christ when you go to work. So we need to work as unto the Lord. I guarantee you if Jesus was going to be signing your paycheck, some people may have a different attitude when they go to work. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important you don't be working at places you don't belong. Mm. Amen. Let us look at uh, Ephesians chapter 28. Excuse me, I apologize. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. <laughs> look at this interesting revelation. Amplified. He says, let the thief steal no more, 
but rather let him be industrious, making an honest living with his own hands so that he may be able to give to those in need. Wow, Jesus, for real? You want me to get a job so I can give to other people? I thought my job was just so that I can pay my bills, God. Oh, that's an interesting scenario, isn't it? <laughs> Ooh, God is, God is an interesting God, isn't he? Because his thoughts are not like our thoughts. He tells us and he tells, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Timothy, don't trust in uncertain riches. Uncertain riches, those things that are here today and may be gone tomorrow. You all know how things are. You could go to work all week long. And then on Monday, they could say, you know what? We sold the company. And they don't want you. The new company doesn't want you. You understand what I'm saying? But, but, <laughs> but if, if your strength, if your trust was not in money, it would move you. It should move you. And I know you probably, oh, well, Pastor Tabby, you can just say that. No, 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 no. I was a part of General Motors when it was booming, and I was part of General Motors when it wasn't booming so well. And they started to take things from us little by little. When I first started, I was like, oh, man, this is good. I got stock in General Motors. I didn't know what that meant, but it sounded good. Got stock in General Motors, man. I'm investing in an insurance company paying me 9.3 quarters percent. I didn't know what none of that meant. But anyway, I was doing, I was there and I was making money and I was getting increases. Listen, I, we were getting increases on our jobs every three months. I almost didn't take the job. I almost didn't take the job because I didn't like what they started at. I was like, I'm a, you know how you be feeling yourself? Now, I'm a college graduate, and I think y'all can pay a little bit more because I believe I'm worth a little bit more than what y'all trying to give me. But God knows how ignorant we can be sometimes when we follow in money. That was the best job for me at the time. But in three months, I had an increase. I was like, whoa, maybe this is not bad. Oh, and I can buy cars below what the dealerships paid for them. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had bonds. I mean, it was just like, look at them. Look, Ain't God good? And I was spending it as fast as it came in. <laughs> at one time, I wasn't even waiting for the bonds to mature. I was like, can I cash it now? <laughs> and the only thing that kept me from selling until I got some sense, all of my stock was affected. They made you wait seven days. They call it a cooling off point. It was like, I want to sell some stock because I need some money. Won't. Need some money. Won't. Need some money. Won't. Some money. And so I would go and I was like, man, I have a broker. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> but I'd go to my broker. I want to sell so many shares of stock. And he's like, okay, Deborah, you know you can't get any money for seven days because they don't want you to be doing stuff irrationally with your money. I mean, even the world don't want you to do stuff irrationally with your money. So what do you think God thinks about what we do with money? 
Oh, my word. And so by the time I left, which don't seem like a lot of money probably now, but every three months I was getting over $3,000 of bonuses. And guess what? I just was a regular employee. I didn't have a title or anything. I don't know what the ones with titles were getting, but I know what I was getting. Praise God. And I was just getting increases, but I was doing, as I told you last week, I was doing what God gifted me and anointed me to do, so money just came. Hallelujah. But at the time, I didn't know what I was doing. But then I did get a revelation. I got a revelation just by simply asking God, I just need for you to tell me what you want me to do. Because although I had money, my life was a wreck. It was a mess. You all know the story. I married Greg Poe. <laughs> Isn't that sad? I'm trying to blame it all on him. But it was, it was my poor choices as well. My poor choices as well. So the life that it appeared that I should have been living because of the money that was coming in actually wasn't the reality at all. And I found myself still needing money, although you were like, how in the world, if I was getting that even now, I mean, I know that was back when, but if I could get $3,000 every three months, oh my goodness, this would be the life. Not if you don't know what you're doing. Not if you don't know what the purpose of it is. But when I learned what the purpose was, oh, I was very liberal in what I do. Because the thing of it is, is God can always get more to you. He can always cause favor to come into your life. God says that you cannot serve two masters because either you will love the one and hate the other. And that is so true. Either you're going to chase money or you're going to chase God. God says, I'll give you all things richly to enjoy. I'll give you all things. So that's why he says, so don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry. He says, seek me. Do the things that I'm asking you to do. And listen, what he's asking you to do is not what some of y'all think he's asking you to do. That doesn't necessarily mean that God wants you to show up at church seven days a week. You need to do what God is telling you to do. And let me say this, all you counselors, bootleg counselors, <laughs> stay out of other people's business. I'm serious. Maybe you need two date nights, but maybe they don't. Stop comparing yourself with other people. Do whatever God's telling you to do concerning your marriage and your relationships. Stay out of other people's business. Can I say it again? Stay out of other people's business. If what God is doing for you is working for you, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We do have counselors on staff here. And we do have volunteer counselors. Talk to one of them. Y'all kind of quiet. <laughs> That's because you're all... God is a personal God. God talks to us individually. Sometimes people need a little assistance, but you need to be careful. 
about who you, who you listening to. Girl, you go to church too much. Who says so? Every time I look at the camera, I see your face. And do you have any idea what God is preparing them for? Do you have any idea? I can remember Joyce Myers talking about the fact that some of you who follow her, that God uh, was always on her case about putting the, uh, um, what do you call them, the grocery carts back. She was like, but God, everybody else just left us where they were. He says, everybody else is not going where you're going, Joyce. You need to do what I'm telling you to do. Hallelujah. And God can speak to you personally concerning your finances as well. That's why I said when you give, you give on the inspiration of God. You give out of a revelation of God. You give because you are encouraged by God. You are, listen, that's why you give. And there is no dollar amount on that except for between you and God. I mean, why can't, why can't God inspire you to give other than when we ask you for it? You know why? Because it's your money. It's your money, and you decided, those who tithe, those who have a revelation of tithing, you decide that I've given the tithe and I've given the offering, and then you shut yourself down. Mm-hmm. Why can't you be at, li you're at liberty to uh, uh, give a word of knowledge if God tells you. God, God, I, I, I want to give me a prophetic word. I'll speak it in church. I'll speak it in church. God, I'll pray for the six. I'll lay hands on them. Direct me, Holy Spirit. Direct me, Holy Spirit. Give an additional $5. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It is not offering time. They hadn't asked for a special collection. That can't be God moving on my heart while Pastor Deborah is teaching. That will be distracting for me to take out my checkbook. That will cause a disruption. We're laughing, but we're saying that we're liberal. We're saying that we're free. We're saying that I, I you know, I'm, I'm trusting God and I'm, I believe God is going to do this for me, but yet. We haven't given our whole self to God. And I'm telling you, there's some things that God wants his church to do. And I know everybody won't participate until you get a revelation or you're inspired. Prayerfully, you're inspired every time that you come. But God is taking us somewhere and wants to expose the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was, <laughs> I asked my son, Brian, I said, you know, we've been talking about uh, doing this library, and everybody's like, yay, yay. Well, we want to do a library to pass the poem. Mind you, it's not a memorial. It is a functioning library where you can go in and actually treat it like a library. And I said, hmm, I wonder if anybody has been inspired to give towards it because we hadn't said anything about we want to sew into the library. Everybody's real quiet, aren't you? But nobody has just never thought thought about it, huh? Just thought it just gets built. We go in there and pray and all the stuff get down on the floor. We go in and we pray and wallpaper shows up. 
Marvel shows up because we went in there and prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. But how many of you believe it's the will of God that we do it? Uh-huh. See, y'all, now, now, I, don't, I, no, mm, I don't think it's the will of God, Pastor Deborah. <laughs> there were a couple of people who went, yeah, I believe it's the will of God. Hallelujah. All the thing I'm telling you is we have to be sensitive to God. We understand that God prospers us with purpose in mind. And some of you, he has prospered. And you just, you didn't know what it, what you were prospering for. And there are those who God is going to prosper as long as you keep your focus right. And that you don't make power, don't allow money to have power over you. Then God, he will prosper you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I just said this time around, God. We're going to teach our people to do it with right purpose in mind. Because for those of you who are with us, we pulled the lever. We've thrown money on steps. And a lot of that was pretty selfish. A lot of it was. If you'll admit it to yourself, a lot of it was. I just, I want to increase. I want a bigger house. I want, I want. And for some people, people want to increase so they would not have to depend on God. Mm-hmm. Amen. God, get me to a place where I don't have to ever depend on you to give me anything because I already have it. Hallelujah. Oh, my, my, my. God's going to do great things through this church. I believe that he is. I believe that he is. As a matter of fact, I know that he is. Thus giving, he said that... Uh, we're going to have to, well, my directive is to teach the people how to live and empower them. Empower them, meaning that those gifts and those talents and those things that God has placed on the inside of you that you have been nurturing through the word of God, it's time for you to be active concerning those things. Amen. There's some of you that have teaching gifts on the inside of you. There's some of you that... Uh, God really has put in your heart and the Holy Spirit will work through you through gifts of healing. But it's all for the glory of God. It's all to, to touch people and bring them into the kingdom of God. There's some of you who are going to prosper, let me see if I can say the word, exponentially. Okay, we all are in a place of prosperity, but there is something called the gift of giving. That person, money just comes to them no matter what they do. Money just comes to them. And they will give in big ways because that's what God, that's, that's a gift that's on them. Now, there's a difference again between the gift and we as believers. As believers, God wants to increase you so that you can give, but there's some people, okay, listen, you can't volunteer for it if that's, God, I want this one. Holy Spirit, <laughs> I want to be a part of that gift of giving group. No, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a gift that's on you. And uh, I talked to one of our sons in the ministry. It, that's the way he is. And he was that way before he even got born again. That money, just he just makes money. 
he just, people run after him and he makes money for companies. He makes money for himself. He just makes money. And he has always because the gifts and callings are without repentance is when you are aware of what they are that you can actually excel in those things. But, um, and many of you have heard, some of you have even heard his story. I know I'm running over just a little bit, but many of you have heard his story. Some of you know him. His name is Pastor Nick. He said, oh, man, over 20 years ago, I was making $100,000 a year, but I was broke as a doorknob. And he's always made money. But he's a big giver. But he told me once, I said, so what do you, because I'm, I'm inquisitive, about, inquisitive about different things. He says, you know, Pastor Deborah, I never kind of sort of really believed in tithing. I said, what do you mean? He said, because in my mind, that was a tip. He said, in my mind, it was a tip. So money doesn't mean anything to him. Not a thing. It's a tool by which he does things. Hey, Amen. You guys are so quiet. But in his mind, it's just, he was like, I think it's an insult. He said, God is good. That's what I heard. God will bless me. God will increase me. God will cause me to prosper. So what do I care what I do with money? He'll always make sure that I have some. He made sure I had some. I just didn't know what to do with it when I had it. But now that I do, it's a whole different story. Amen. And I'm telling you, when you know what to do, it's a totally different outcome altogether. And again, I want to tell you this. I'm not one of those people who just say, yeah, you start giving today and money's going to come out the woodworks. I'm not telling you that. The Bible also says that he who gathers little by little will increase. Your little may be different from someone else's little. But understand, anything and everything God brings into your hands, he gives it to you because it has kingdom is attached to it. The kingdom of God is attached to it. And nor would I ever tell you to give more than what you have. How can you? And God is not expecting for you to do that either. But he is expecting you to do what you can do and what he's blessed you to do and what he's instructing you to do. But you have to be open in order to hear what God is saying. Amen. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.